Hello and welcome to the Kilo Chasers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl, here at the PFRS Studios, where we talk life, weightlifting, strength sports, and how they all make us who we strive to be. So sit back, grab a beverage, and enjoy. Dan Mason, how you been, man? Pretty good, brother. What's up? I haven't talked to you and well, seen you in forever. I've talked a couple times since then. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. All we do is follow each other and click like and shit, but that's about it. Yep. Um, what's new? Uh, training, competitions, athletes. Fill me in. What's like yeah, the last six so, months? What's uh, been going on? Uh, I ended up quitting my nine to five back in August last year and just doing. Okay. Uh, in person and then remote coaching. Um, so that's been awesome. Very fun. Much better than having nice. to uh, babysit a bunch of people who don't want to do their jobs. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got some, uh, there's a gym out here in Lafayette, Indiana. That's uh, I've been kind of playing around at their place and, and working on and off with them for the last three years or so. Um, and it's starting to become, you know, a bit of a uh, strength haven. We got a, we counted the other day. We have eleven females that pull over three hundred pounds. Holy smokes! Yeah, and it's like not a big. That's gym. insane. Yeah. So yeah, wow. it's it's been good, man. Our, our female lifter, and we got some nasty dude lifters too. Um, we got this one guy, Justin Loy, who you might have seen on ESPN doing the Clash of the Coasts. Uh, he's like mm-hmm. one of the best two thirty one strongmen. Wow. Um, and then we got me, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but we got a couple other like elite level powerlifter guys there too. So it's, it's a nice spot. Good deal, man. Um, <laughs> I'm fidgeting. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. Um, so let's, let's go back in time. What was your, uh, I know we won't get into the, uh, mixed martial arts and stuff like that. Well, uh, what, what, drew you to strongman and powerlifting and how did you make that transition from being a heavyweight uh mixed martial artist oh, so i a wasn't a heavyweight man I, I fought middleweight and light heavyweight so i fought as a 185er oh, and a 205er uh for a long time i can't hold on hold on hold on hold on you are less than 200 pounds hold on uh, i'll 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 send you the picture i'll send you the picture but, <laughs> oh, God. um yeah there's a uh, I did in college. I was lighter. I kind of came into college as like a chubby 230 pound kid and then ended college right about 200 pounds. Um, okay. But yeah, so I, I did the MMA thing and then, uh, got out of it cause you know, it sucks and it hurts. Um, and people were starting yeah. to get good <laughs> and I wasn't one of them. So, <laughs> so that was the issue. Nice. Um, but then, uh, after that I kind of, needed something to compete in. Right. And, and we used a lot of kettlebells, uh, when we were training at the MMA gym, like that was our main resistance training thing. So if you wanted back yeah. in the day, if you wanted to, to play with kettlebells, like CrossFit gyms was literally the only thing that even had them, you know, yeah. back in like 2010 ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I kind of got into CrossFit from that and that led to, um, me figuring out I would, I would much rather, I excelled more on like the strength stuff. Uh, and this guy, Rob Orlando was running the CrossFit strongman certifications. So he Mm -hmm. was a guy that actually started in strongman and then moved over to CrossFit. Um, so I went to one of those certifications and I was like, Oh man, this is like so much more badass. It's like CrossFit for people who want to be strong. And uh, so that's how I got the strongman. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I competed strongman long time. Um, and just, uh, just, just got to the point where I was, I was good enough that if I was a two thirty one, I was going to be tip top, but I was a little heavier at that point. Yeah. I was kind of 
comfortably 250. So I was competing in like okay. the 265 and the 275 class. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, and then in some in some of the bigger shows in that day, there was 231 and under, and then there was 231 and over, and that was the weight classes at the bigger shows. Oh shit! Okay. So it's like I'd be at a show and I'd be you know 265, 270 pounds, right at six feet going tall. Against 300. Yeah. Going against dudes that are like 330, six foot four. So like if you're doing a yoke carry, um, we may yeah. both be moving our feet just as fast, but I'm giving up like three inches every single step. So no matter what I yeah. do, if I'm not moving my feet twice as fast, I don't win. Yeah. Um, yep. So figured out I was built better for powerlifting um, and kind of did both for a long time. And now I'm just, just powerlifting as the main. Yeah. Well, and most of your injuries in the past have come from doing strongman, right? Yeah. So, so coming from CrossFit, coming from MMA, you just become just real stubborn about shit. Like you mm-hmm. can push yourself to like stupid levels. Uh, anyone in the military that was like in the shit gets it. Yeah. Um, I was in the yeah. military, but it's kind of a similar skill set, right? Like you can survive suffering a little better than the average bear. And I'm sure yeah, weightlifting exactly. is like that too. Um, yeah. But yeah, so if you, strongman's, I always say it's a sport of like, how many reps can you get at 90%? That's pretty much every strongman event. Uh, So this last one, um, I was in, I think I was tied for second coming into the car deadlift and it was car deadlift for reps. It was, it was some SUV with like 300 pounds extra in the back or something, which sounds cooler than it is. Um, (laughs) Like it sounds impressive, but it's not. Deadlifting 600 for reps is way harder. Um, yeah. And, and I got, I needed like eight to win. So I got to, or I needed seven to win that event. And I got seven and then I pulled eight and I was like, man, I'm going to go for like 10. Like this ain't bad. And then I just tweaked my back and then I was out. Oh, I think uh, there were two events left. I think I ended up finishing in fourth, even zeroing wow. the next two events. But yeah, that was my last strongman show, and that was the last one where I was like, you know what? I just I'm old enough now. I got enough mileage on my body <laughs> that I just don't think I can survive it anymore. Yeah, yeah. In previous years, I probably would have tried to finish the rest of the show, but now I'm like, nope, not worth it. <laughs> no, no. So. You still got to be able, be able to show up to work, even if it is coaching, right? And and on top of that, be there for your kids and everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and just, I work on my feet now, too, so it's like, I need to be able to walk around and shit. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't be, like, you know, dying. Hold on, I'm yeah, sending you, I'm sending you, I found my before and after picture. Oh, no. It's coming to the yeah, doc. sent me that. Come to the doc 51 that you just sent. Okay. That's, uh, right. that picture is 185 pounds to 285. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. That's a uh, that's a transformation Tuesday. Yup, I post it every Damn. now and then, and people are like, "What? No!" Everyone just once you're big, everyone assumes you've been big forever. Right? I know, right? No, I get that because most of the people that I started in in my trade, like they met me, I weighed 185 pounds, 180 pounds, you know, dripping wet. Yeah, and now I walk around, you know, 220, 225, and they just. Some of them haven't seen me for eight years. Right. And so they see me now and they're just like, what are you on? I'm like, I uh, just ate a lot of food and went to the gym six days a week. You're like, and it's been eight years. <laughs> and it's been eight years. Exactly. Yeah. I was, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, 30 to 30 to 39 is a big jump, but still right. like, I'm not fat like the rest of them. I, it's like my favorite thing when I have a client come up to me and be like, yeah, I was at work and they're asking me like what I'm on and I'm like, nothing. I'm like, hell yeah. That's it. Just a lot of food. Yep. You eat until you hate yourself and then eat a little more. Well, and then I had I had uh, one of my clients that this happened to just recently. He was like, because this other guy that he was talking to lifts like six days a week or whatever, but like isn't really on any structured plan. Like, you know, just kind of doing yeah. whatever at the gym, broing out. And yeah. my, my client's like, well, what, what do you do? Do you do you squat for like reps? And they're like, what? No. Well, do you? Like bench for reps? No. Do you deadlift for reps? No. Like, what do you do when you're there? Then he's like, I do all that. Try that. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Try squatting three days a week. And see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. Do a lot of rows. Yep. Yeah, just pick heavy shit up off the ground a lot, and you'll get big. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. Doesn't even matter what it form really or, or what or not. It doesn't matter like what like format the picking things up is, whether it's you know clean and jerks no. or or no. barbell rows or deadlifts or whatever. Man, it's they're big big benefit yeah. movements. Yeah. Now I had a a coworker while well, he's my boss. He's my my age. We went through the apprenticeship almost at the same time, and the every job the last three jobs we've been on together, he's been my boss. So, but we go to the gym together. And we start doing stuff, and he's uh, two, three inches shorter than me, and uh, I don't know, fifteen pounds lighter. And I've always—he's just—he's a lot up top, right? A lot up top. And we started doing like I killed him in squats. That's this—he right. just never focused on it. But we'd start doing like poles and stuff, and he'd get to like two twenty-five on just rows and st- and things like that. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Oh man, this is this is awesome." I'd be like, "Okay, throw some more plates on. Let's go." Right. <laughs> you know, and he's like, "What? What?" I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's keep going up, keep going up until you can't do anymore, right? And, right. You know, and we trained together for probably three months, and he like his legs got just everything, but he that whole structure of lift heavy, lift heavy shit off the ground, right. And and not focus on bench. Stay away from the dumbbells. Hey, bench Just is my one true love. You can't say that. It's dirty. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. If I bench too much, John yells at me. Yeah. And my lockout in the snatch turns I was going to gonna say, you're weightlifting, so it matters. So so one thing I've been yeah. doing quite a bit, um, work with uh, the guy that coaches me, is I, I, of course, as I mentioned, have a love for kettlebells. So mm-hmm. we're 150 days out, whatever that is to worlds yeah. and i'm like hey let's throw in like i want to do some snatches because i like snatching still i hate cleaning jerks because it like i don't catch yeah i catch a little too vertical so it starts getting like some serious elbow tendonitis and then my bench dies because it just i just can't unrack anything um yeah but snatching feels great and i, I like snatching better anyway so he has me doing yeah. some of that um we got kettlebell work back into it and dude my shoulder mobility is getting like pretty good again like snatches are feeling real nice i've been watching your kettlebell workouts like you're you're getting good man so here's here's my like, diabolical you just gotta get your depth here's my diabolical plan and i started do you see any of the steel club stuff i started posting yeah okay so yeah, yeah we need to talk about that too here after this okay so i love it it's it's uh you've heard of like the shoulder rock for like kabuki strength guy yeah right so yeah. it's basically that kind of movements right but so I, mm-hmm. I'm coming from like a strongman powerlifting, like a strength biased background. Um, I've yeah. always had a love for kettlebells. Uh, I got my RKC certification instructor thing uh, this past summer. It's been something I've been wanting to do for like 10 years and just never did. And yeah. uh, it occurred to me that, that most people that look at kind of like that functional fitness side, like the kettlebells, the clubs, the like less conventional strength building type things yeah. are very much like not like they want to get strong, but they're not really about real strength. Right. Cause like what's a heavy ass kettlebell, 106 pounds, right? Something like that. 88 pounds yeah. is like a yeah. heavy kettlebell. And it's like, you're, yeah. you're a beast. If you can press an 88 pound kettlebell. Well, that's like, that's like strict pressing, you know, 180 pounds on a barbell. Yeah. I've strict it's pressed 300 pounds on a barbell. It's just awkward. Like the, the, the wrist angle. Like, I mean, there's, right. there's reasons for people like me to come up with to not do it <laughs> right it's definitely its own it. skill like, set but i feel like the people that dive straight into like kettlebells or clubs or maces or any of the more unconventional strength things mm-hmm. they do it because they think it's cool and they miss out on like the strength building side that comes most ideally and efficiently from like barbell work yeah and and i think i'm, I'm my goal is after worlds here i want to start do being the guy that's like the oh that's the guy that lifts like the two hundred pound kettlebells and the fucking one hundred and fifty pound clubs, yeah. There's not many people that do are, that. No, well, you don't really see. You see guys like uh, like Liver King. Like you, you see these big jacked 
ridiculous people and they're they're doing stuff with them but like you don't see just a don't get me started on that prosthetic abbed no leg (laughs) piece of trash (laughs) yeah oh man Uh, so so tell me about the clubs no it's it's freaking awesome marketing having having your kids do freaking stairs on the washington monument or whatever he did like i can't i'm more power to him but like anyone who thinks like it's all legit is just they probably think power lifters in untested federations are clean too like (laughs) yeah or that that, no i'm not even going to start it that's a that's an (laughs) argument that i don't want to get blasted on i just stay away from people think uh oh Uh, yeah, I won't. I won't go there. But yeah, <laughs> um, drug so tested is not drug free. No, it's a test, not just like at school. You study. You learn how to study early. Like I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm 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 in construction. I learned how to study for a test. Right. <laughs> right? So, um, yeah. So, run me through. Run me through the club workout and how you see it's beneficial to as a you know as a mid 30s lifter who's had injuries and is constantly dealing with pain and joint pain and tendonitis and everything run me through what you believe is the benefits of it and how to how to program it on your own if you're just starting out so yeah what i would say is if you have a, a sport that you're working on like you're a weightlifter right so yep. I would probably put it more in like a warm up or a cool down setting, okay. um, clubs or maces or whatever. Three uh, sixties is a movement where it's you're here and you're kind of going around your head, right? It's like what you would okay. do with the shoulder rock. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, the most beneficial thing that you could do for loosening up your shoulders with that specific implement. Um, okay. There's a lot of variations on it, but all those are going to do a couple a couple things. Um, in opening up your shoulder girdle like when i get done like sometimes my upper back like pops while i'm doing it nice like if you go heavy enough that's great um but it it does uh joint traction is kind of one of the big things with the unconventional things like kettlebells and clubs and maces that that is nice and and what that is is we spend so much time lifting whether you're benching squatting deadlifting doing cleaning jerks and snatches but that catch position that heavy weight position as you squat is taking all yeah. the uh, connective tissues between your joints and smushing them together and compacting them and getting them tighter. And there's a balance though, right? Cause you want kind of that, at least in powerlifting, that lack of mobility because it, yeah, it's easier to push from that. You're not having to retighten everything, but the exactly. trade off is your mobility gets like trash and your longevity in the sports gets screwed up just because you get so tight that things can't, stretch and they're not pliable and they tear um yeah. so yeah traction is basically that term basically means when you're swinging like a kettlebell or, or a club or whatever and you're swinging it out and it's actually pulling and extending pieces and you're having to resist that and it's kind of all those connective tissues and fascia that's like this it kind of gets them to yeah. do this a little bit so it's it's nice. similar to like okay. what things you could benefit from with like romwad right that kind of mobility type stuff but it's just way cooler and more dynamic moving but (laughs) way cooler (laughs) way cooler you can always find some blacksmith somewhere to make you some badass mace to swing around yep yeah it's fun i've really enjoyed it i i got a mace first which is like it has the ball and then it's like a long longer i'm trying to fit the camera like a long staff no it's all good um so it's shorter like longer versions of the clubs and it felt to me, it felt like very technical. Like it, I have a 20 pound one and it kicks my ass sometimes. Whereas I'll yeah. do the, the same movements with like the 45 pound or my 85 on it. I just, I just tackled the 85 pound club today and it was messy. Um, but <laughs> first time I've nice. ever really done it. Um, yeah. But it's considerably harder than the clubs just because it's so much longer. To me, it felt kind of like weightlifting is the strongman, right? Like, so weightlifting is super technical, very little margin for error you have to like do it right for things to go well whereas strongman it's like a little technical like you can jerk a log but it doesn't have to be like perfect like a split jerk and weightlifting right like you can brute you can brute it a little bit clubs feel a little more like 
you can brood it a little bit and get away with some shit. Maces, you're just okay. screwed. Yeah. So I like yeah. that better. So I'm I'm more of a club person than a mace person. Well, you know, make it work. So how would you, um, as a progression, um, what would you say for like a 40-something um, female who is just getting back into the gym, maybe, had, you know, her kids are moved out, um, is the club a, something that she can tackle and something that will get her moving and feeling good and able to, um, you know, get back into the gym on a more regular basis. And yeah, cause I know Sarah, Sarah, has to ask Sarah. Issues, so, <laughs> you know, well, it's just one of those things, you know, you carry around a kid on one, on your strong side uh-huh. for three years and, and then carrying groceries and whatever else. And now she's, she's started, you know, progressed in her career to where she's working with kids again. Right. And so, part of working with some of her clients is she carries around a two or three year old again. So her whole shift has happened again. Um, and trying to get her to do barbell work. It like, she's so lopsided. She almost needs the unilateral work to even things out a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And she tries to do that with cables, right? But I don't like, I hate cables. I mean, I, I like them to a certain extent for certain things, but I don't think it's different than a freeway. Uh, yeah, and I I don't think it's as forceful like you're saying with that traction. You have to have that 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 force right. to to get things to come apart and start working better. Yeah, uh, so, so I I think it'd be great. Um, the starting weights that I've seen recommended for females are like seven pounds sink for single hand work and like a ten pound to fifteen pound for like two hand work, um, and then okay. for dudes it's like. 10 pounder for single arm and then 15 to 20 pounder for two armed. Um, she has like a background though, but I mean, it's definitely one of those where like, even with something that's a maybe a little too light, you can definitely get, get a decent workout and get moving a little bit and definitely work on that. Um, strong side, weak side stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan with those. I'll, I'll do like five by five work with them cause I'm trying to like train them like pretty okay. heavy too. Um, there's, there's a ton yeah. of different movements. You can just YouTube for, you know, for days, all day. Uh, this guy, Mark Wildman's a really good resource for him. And then, uh, Ooh, Co- coach Vaughn V a U G H N is where I got a lot of my initial reading and information from. Yes. He, he has like a okay. little six week program thing too. It was like 50 bucks. I bought it and definitely was really good at like kind of teaching you the movements and getting a feel for stuff. And he totally like worth it. It progressed from like beginner movements and how to push them to advanced. Um, it's like a pretty nice. nice four day a week laid out thing. And I just kind of took that and piecemealed what I felt like piecemealing out of it. Mm-hmm. But okay. yeah, he's definitely worth awesome. peeking. Cool. Um, now talking about programming and stuff and, and you, your athletes and how you like, at the beginning of this, you said you had transitioned from working to nine to five. I know you, you managed a bank for a minute and then you went to, um, property management a little bit. Um, when you made that decision to give up the nine to five and really focus in on your athletes and, and your passion, um, what was your, like, what was your checklist before you were like, okay, this is, it's go time. Let's, let's drop this. And I know like I, it's, it, it, I, I go through it every day. I'm like, is there a possibility at some point for me to like, what's the, what's the, what's the line or the cap that I need to hit in order to podcast and train right. full time? So, you know, and like, for me, I, I'm, I'm pretty like impulsive. Like if I want to do something, I'm just going to fucking do it. Like that's just, that's just kind of how I am uh, f- for better or worse. It's, you know, I've kind of always ended up on my feet, but um, for me, I'd had going into like, cause I already had a little bit of remote coaching uh, going on. Okay. I knew I had a couple people that were interested in person, but I've always kind of pushed them off because I had that full-time gig and I just, I really valued my free time because I hated the job so much. Um, yeah. So I had a little bit going for me as I transitioned off of the job. Uh, but really I just was like, okay, 
um, here, literally what happened was I, I'm like, I have good credit right now. So I got like three credit cards that were like no interest for 12 months. Nice. And I lived <laughs> off of what I, what I, and I had some savings and stuff. So I basically yeah. had to float myself for like three or four months essentially and just live pretty lean okay. and then, you know, make sure to get my stuff paid off before the interest comes due on them. Um, so that, yeah. that was when I did it, but the linchpin for it was, um, at the time I was working in student housing, which if you have to work in property management and student housing or conventional, do conventional student housing, stupid. Um, uh, it, and I basically had, I had a, a leasing specialist that was really good at making a sale, but really horrible at any of the administrative things required of her. Okay. To the point where like I was trying to fire her and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> Oh, and, then, and then it came to the time when all the students were moving in and the thing that she told me, it, like, she'd be like, Hey, this thing is done. And I'm like, cool. And I check it and be like, dude, it's not done. Like here's X, Y, Z. We need to do this. Okay. I'll work on it. And I'm not a micromanager. So that, that was basically what happened. So it got to the point where I was like, we got to get rid of her. And they're like, we can't, she's yeah. too good at sales. And I'm like, well, here's five conversations I had with pissed off parents today. Cause their room's not ready or someone's in the room. That's not supposed to be there. I... Oh, geez. So yeah. that I was just like, whatever, <laughs> no two weeks notice. Just bye. Just gone. Bye. <laughs> you like her better than me, apparently. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, the reckless side of me just saying, fuck it and moving on. But you know, at least I had a bit of a plan and it all kind of worked out for the better now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you made that transition, it was pretty quick and easy. And, you know, I it was quick. I, I swear <laughs> it wasn't easy. Um, it's almost the same. Like I talked to Kevin Cornell a couple months ago or a month and a half ago or whatever. And it was almost you guys have almost the same mentality. It's like I make my mind up and it's it's go time. Like it, well, it's and I'm the person where if I get something in my brain, like I can't do anything else until it's done. Uh, like if I have a programming yeah. idea in my brain, like there's been nights where I'll wake up at like two in the morning and I'll be like, okay, this is in my head. I have to get it down on paper. or I'm not going to like be able to go to sleep. Um, yeah. And I'm like that with any kind of idea that sneaks into my head. I got another one that's really scary right now too, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like oh, do tell do what do tell uh, I'm looking at equipment possibly. Ooh, like 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 building your like manufacturing one for yourself. I've got a couple. Hey, keep me keep me posted. I yeah. I have an idea. I've been working on. Ooh, yeah, I'm totally in for that. So the linchpin on this one is I feel like in the last two three years, it's become very clear that uh, relying on foreign countries to handle our supply chain is is it sucks. And it yeah, may be a, a cheaper, more affordable product, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very pro America. I'm very libertarian, oh, yeah. be self-sufficient kind of thing. And I feel like if we can get to the point where we're manufacturing things in America and making it not a horrible price point, you know, starting with things like kettlebells, clubs and plates and moving on from there, I feel like yep. there's like a huge piece of the population in America that's very fed up with foreign stuff for better or for worse. It's, I think it's, it's growing exponentially. And I feel like in the next five, 10 years, businesses that are like, Hey, we're, we're doing shit America, you know, yeah. creating American jobs, bringing back American manufacturing, building products with, you know, us source steel, um, using U.S. foundries, yep. stuff like that. Like, from the sofa standpoint, I feel like those businesses are going to take off because people are really digging that right now. And then from like a non-selfish standpoint, like I really think that's what would be better for the country. And if I can somehow be a part of even a piece of that, like I don't know, I'm really yeah. passionate about that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. No. Um, and because I'm looking at manufacturing too, and like when when you're looking for simple like machining and welding and stuff like that like to find a manufacturer 
or a machine shop, a production machine shop or, or a production fab shop that is that can take on a, a new project or a new a new part or whatever mm-hmm. or new product like the um, the turnover for like uh, proof of concept mm-hmm. and stuff like that is it might it takes a little bit longer going overseas but they're like um, their sourcing of the of the raw product of, much of the raw material much faster and it's art it's like it's within their own country and they don't have to pay shipping and they don't have mm-hmm. to do this and they don't have to do that. It's all right. And there. the reason it's so and... favorable over there now is because we don't have that here and we were starting to have it for a minute. So we kind of do, but it's just like, so being in the industry that I'm in um, right. and being my hometown was, is a mill town. Like lumber is, makes up probably 60 to 70 percent used to make up like 90 percent uh, between lumber and pulp and paper uh, of their economy like it's something like we export raw logs like un- like just they limb them and they debark them and they load them on a ship and ship them overseas wow and it's it's like a re- it's like 60 percent or something like that it's some it's through the freaking roof like if you look at the yard logs or yard logs log yards in in Longview and in Rainier right in that area right. like all those logs none of them are domestic they were all logged here but they're all going on a ship and shipping overseas because the process of fabric of changing them and putting them in the shapes we need them is not here uh yes and no they the the price that they pay is better than the price that we get that that they're able to get here gotcha. for the for the raw log than it is for them to machine like mill it down and then sell it like the price per log or per board foot is way better for them to export it huh so like it's the same with with steel with raw steel like plate pipe iron it doesn't matter like it's cheaper it's it's cheaper to, or it's it's more profitable to sell it overseas than it is to keep it here like it, it's unbelievable like, i bought huh, i buy crazy. aluminum aluminum bar and to get domestic aluminum bar here is like i can't remember how much it was but it was it was probably 30 to 40 percent more and it's like okay so i know where this is made it's it's not that far away right Right. And if I order the stuff from Taiwan, it has to be put on in a container, put onto a container ship right. and shipped all the way over here. Then it gets loaded on a rail car and then it gets shipped even further. Like how how is that product cheaper? And it's this has the same exact mill rating. Like I get the, right. the material test reports and they you put them next to each other and they're the same. Now is that due to regulation side or what what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it has to do I it EPA I mean I get it. They're trying like they're trying really hard and and it's great for money for the government. Like but the smelting process is the smelting process. There really isn't much you can do about it. Right. And I don't know. It, it's. I'd much rather see American steel stay in America than get shipped overseas. Because barring some weird government bureaucracy making everything expensive, it should be cheaper, right? Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, and that's and that, that's. I mean, not to turn this into a political pod- podcast, but seriously, <laughs> everybody. Okay, so. With this, right, it's more expensive to buy the American steel or product or raw material here. Right. Okay. But and you're going to regulate that to the point that it's more expensive because you're you're more concerned about this one mill and how much that mill is producing in in toxins for the atmosphere or the environment. Right. right? But your that product still has to get made and it still has to get sold. So you're that 
our manufacturers are now buying it overseas, the raw product that's getting made in a mill that is not regulated right. at all. And then it's going on to a container ship that burns raw crude oil, right. so it's, not it's, filtered, not nothing. It's carbon and footprint is it. crazy higher anyway. Yeah, like when done. when uh, when the Priuses first came out, I was driving an old 96 half-ton Chevy pickup. Mm-hmm. And I had some people on the job. They were, they were giving me a hard time about my my big truck being like, you know, not very environmental. I'm like, that's why you live. Well, the you can Prius, tell you live in Portland. No one would say that shit here in oh Indiana. God. You get your ass kicked. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but like, <laughs> but a Prius in the manufacturing of one Prius, just before it even puts one mile on the car, has a bigger carbon footprint than my truck did in its entire lifespan. That's crazy. Like. I'm sorry, but that's that's the whole point of this is like you're for that one 20 foot long stick of aluminum, it's costing the environment 10 times as much for a cheaper product when I put it get when it gets in my hands, it's cheaper in my hands than it would be for the one that's made a thousand miles away on American soil. I hate that the deeper like, you look at things, fucking the dumber everything is. <laughs> well, it's, it's I mean follow the money right 100 percent. you know but yeah man i okay I'd, we'll see we'll see where it goes and i definitely don't know anything i'm i'm like ground level trying to figure stuff out i just got a hold of like a couple foundries yeah. this past week like have an engineer kind of working some stuff up but i'm super super early stages but i'm the kind of person where like if i go into something i go like deep like all in like if i'm going in, in yeah. i'm gonna try to kick rogue's ass you know like that's that's kind of yeah. how i am well so here's the thing right what are there any are there any bumper plates manufactured in the u.s no wait H- hd the yeah. hd big fat tire rubber ones okay but those yeah, don't really because count it, but <laughs> No, <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, they're they're fun. They bounce really high. They're fun to slam. <laughs> you know, yeah. They they don't crack your concrete. Um, but I want to see, like, we already know, like, all the really good barbells are made domestically, right? For the most yep. part, and anything over five hundred dollars is made domestically. Um, but I want to see the new urethane the urethane bumper plates made there's only like two plants see, like, that all make that urethane plates and they're not here no they're in freaking i've looked them up yep. trust me it's it's stupid and then and then just regular regular bumper plates the competition style mm-hmm. you know discs why can't we why can't we make those here I we I we absolutely like, can, but it's just right now it's just so much more profitable to do it the other way, and I think that's probably due to a little too much regulation and things like that. But like my other thing is like like yeah, American Jaws, blah blah blah. But like I I also like um, so when I was in high school, we went on like missions trips. Like I was a church kid, right? So we went on, okay. on stuff like that where you'd, you'd basically go to some country that's super poor and and it's not fun and you try to do some good stuff right like you're trying to build a school stuff like that right and it's like i i think about manufacturing processes overseas the child labor overseas the someone getting paid seven cents an hour overseas and i'm like i just if i can not support that yeah why not let's not support it you know um like i've changed my phone provider to one that doesn't you know, vote in favor of stuff like that. Like, I mean, I've, I've tried to like inch my way in my life to where I'm like not supporting, you know, stuff that I think is fucked up and wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, people yeah. can have different views on, on what they think is fucked up and wrong. And, you know, that's up to you. But like, I'm trying to like be, you know, my conscience in my head in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what exactly... I know you're, you you got to keep it on the down low. Are you, I mean, what I, I already of, have a website about, are you stuff, ta- domain, so I can, you know, I can, I can start going. I just oh, haven't yeah. got the steps rolling real good yet. Yeah. So you're thinking about, are you thinking about just manufacturing new types of equipment or existing ideas that are already out there 
and and going that route. So starting off that route, um, I have a couple ideas that are a little new and interesting, uh, but mm-hmm. you know, pre-prototype stage type stuff. But um, yeah, but yeah, my thought at first is we'd we'd venture into things that are basically simple, right? So you got like steel and iron plates, you got um, yeah. kettlebells, clubs, stuff like that, where it's like one piece yeah. foundry pour kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then from there, probably move into like things like um, barbells at some point, and then uh, mm-hmm. rigs and squat racks, like basic things like everybody else is doing here. Uh, and really just trying yeah. to focus on pushing it towards the domestic side. Um, yeah. There's a couple good companies that do it. Rogue does it with a lot of their stuff. Um, not yeah. all their stuff. Don't let them fool you. No. Um, yeah. A lot of some, some things are made in China and then assembled here and then American made yeah. American assembled two different things. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah. And then, I mean, shoot Titan even has some stuff that's uh, made in the U S now, like legit. So and that's then awesome. American barbell is another one where I think really kind of holds the torch pretty well on Took that off. front as well. Yeah, um, well, I'd hope so. But yeah, yeah, definitely looking more kind of basic stuff first, then moving into more complex things like barbells and fancy attachments and stuff. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, let's see here. What has, uh, what do you think in your life has built you, your mindset to this point where you just like once you have your mind and heart set on something you jump into it like feet first so and just you know man as much as what was it as much as i hate that broke you (laughs) what broke me (laughs) like many of us my childhood broke broke you um so my dad is very like laser focused on whatever thing he gets into like i remember um he's always kind of been a business owner ever since i was a kid um he wrote like mm-hmm. a medical billing system for orthotics places. And that's kind of what he's been doing since the late eighties. Um, oh shit. Nice. And, and so I remember in college, he was on a business trip in Colorado and we all went with him, and we skied while he worked. And, uh, he went skiing once and was just awful at it. He's like, he's very like computer nerdy, very not coordinated at all, like zero athletic ability. But like he gets obsessed on athlete, non athlete. Yeah. He gets like super obsessed on obsessed on something, finds the person who's like the best in the world at teaching it, and then like finds them, learns from them, and then becomes proficient at that task. And that's how skiing was. So I was like a freshman in college when he decided he didn't want to suck at skiing. And my sophomore year, we went every two or three weeks. We live in Indiana. Every two or three weeks, we were in Colorado on the slopes for a long weekend. Uh, his first Holy year what? of skiing, he had over 100 days of skiing in Colorado. That is, uh, that's expensive. So he's like, well, and it's well, like, I, guess I don't back even know then, that we not, had. Not so much. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, fucking. I mean, it wasn't cheap, but I don't even know that we had the money back then. It's just when his mind is on something, he's just, <laughs> bruh. And that's, I mean, that's hundred yeah. percent where I got that from. Nice. That's, that's freaking crazy. Yeah. He's, so does he, so does he still, skate? when he was like 56, he decided he wanted to start running marathons. And in the next two years, he'd done all 50 States and multiple <laughs> continents. Oh my God. <laughs> like he, he was doing like a marathon every two weeks for a little while at like 50 something. That's you know what's funny is there's so many people out there that would say that's unhealthy. Uh, he was in great shape. Like that it's not Yeah, no, exactly. Like oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to like train and peak and like do all that stuff and like no, you could just run a well, lot. And I feel like all the time. Um Attitude Nation and John North like that like he's the epitome of like mentality. That mentality, right? Is like your body's a pretty amazing thing. It can adapt really well to some crazy shit. And like yeah. that programming shows you that. I feel like Mash's programming was kind of showed you that too. Um, and I mean, that's yeah. if your body's used to running 26 miles every other weekend, like he, he was looking at it. Cause like one day a week he'd have a long run anyway. So he just wouldn't do a long yeah. run one week. 
he would do a double long run the week of his marathon at the marathon. And it was like the same training volume. Yeah. So who cared? <laughs> like same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I've known some guys actually probably, I don't know, 70, 80% of the people that I work with are like that are in their mid fifties. Like they spent a good portion of their life where the amount of weight that went on their back or their shoulders or in their hands for 10 hours a day, every day of the week. It's like, you can't tell me that you need to recover and like all this stuff. It's like, these guys have been doing this shit. I mean, this goes back ages, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you compare the working man or working person to like a athlete, like there's no comparison. If you like, if, if a working person can like a hod carry, right? They carry insulation, basically concrete, right. 80 pounds sacks, 80 to hundred pound all sacks, day. two at a time on their show all fucking yeah. day, all day for 35 years. And yeah, at the end of that 35 years, they're broke down, but you can't, the amount of load they that, moved in that 35 uh, years is more than an athlete's yeah, ever going to yeah, dream of. Shit. The amount they, they move in a year, right? Like it's they. It's unbelievable. And they're doing it five, six days a week, you know, eight, 10 hours, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And so an athlete has to have this like, oh, we're going to, we're going to stay at this percentage and then we're going to, we're going to ramp up and then we're going to deload and then we're going to peak and then we're going to do this. It's like, okay, well, why can't you just lift heavy shit and, and be good at it? Yeah. And you can develop like, that skill. I mean, it's it's not what your body can recover from. It's what it can be acclimated to. And there's definitely a balance between those two. But like, yeah, I, I've, I've only ever overtrained when I've like been eating like shit and still trained like I do. You know, <laughs> like like yeah. you're not sleeping, yeah. you're not Tra eating enough. How many guys have you known? I remember I was going to this gym in Indy, and there was a dude that blue collar dude worked construction all day eight, 10 hours, like whatever the shift was. Then he came and lifted for two hours. Yeah. Like it's just what he's used to, man. Yeah. It's, um, it's what we do. Like I, I, I did the same thing. I was working, I was working 50 hours a week, you know, welding and carrying pipe everywhere right. and pulling on chain falls and I'd get done. I'd eat on my way to the gym or I'd eat on the way, my way home. I'd grab a pre-workout, grab my daughter and go to the gym and then I'd eat as soon as I got done, and then I'd eat again when I got home. Right. Like, and I'm doing that on like six hours of sleep. Yeah. And, and the only, realistically, the only thing that I did differently when I started working out more consistently was I quit drinking beer. Like, I, I stopped drinking, even on the weekends. Like, I probably would be like every other weekend, I'd have a few, but I wouldn't get like drunk. Right. And, my just everything just escalated it was great yeah it's but crazy as as like how the alcohol will affect it if that is the one thing i will say is if you are hitting a lot of volume and things that's like the easiest thing to curtail your progress oh but, yeah train hung over once and tell you how you feel about yourself <laughs> hey i've actually pr'd my deadlift three times hung over and i think it's just because impressive you're so angry about the whole situation. You're just mad and you don't look good. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing I can come up with. Cause it's definitely not ideal. No, no. Well, shoot, man. Um, have you had to deal with anything? Like I know, I know you're the last probably three, four years have been kind of up and down for you. Have you had to deal with anything that was like, that kind of put you down and out and, and yeah. So I did a, questioned. uh, a strongman show. It was so it was a strongman show and a powerlifting meet in the same day. Um, yeah. At, it was actually at Travis Mash's place, the Strength Spectacular, in 2017. Um, there we go. And one of the one of the events. It was strongman in the morning, and then it was powerlifting in the afternoon. But one of the events in the strongman show was like it was like a four or five inch deficit deadlift for reps, but like on an axle. Damn. So it's like another inch lower than what it would be on a normal barbell. So you're basically pulling yeah. every deadlift from like your shoelaces and it was max reps and it was, I don't remember. It was 400 and something for max reps. So not heavy, but like, I just can't get in a good position Uncomfortable. there. 
Um, and I think it was 17 reps to take the win. So I pulled up for 17 and I don't know when I screwed up my butt. My back was like fucked. Um, and then I ended up winning the strongman show and then running over to do squats. And like, they were like, Dan Mason, you're up like, or you're on deck. So I had to run over, throw my singlet on, throw my belt on and ended up winning them both, which was cool. Um, not that it was like a huge show with a lot of really good people, but like, uh, actually one of the dudes I beat in the strongman, uh, got like, I think fourth at masters nationals this last year. Um, and then, uh, I, I forget what I totaled, but I, Ended up hitting like a 550 squat, like a 455 bench, and a. I think I just pulled my opener deadlift. I just made it a little higher. Uh, it was like 640, yeah. I think, is what the pull was there. So it was like an okay total. It was, but I got home and I needed back surgery, so that sucked. Um, Damn. Yeah. So just my disc out. So they ended up fusing some vertebrae together. Um, some. Yeah, so it was about two years where every time I pulled over 500, something would go bad. Um, oh and it's, my God. what, 2022 now, and I'm just now getting to the point where I can pull, you know, start to hit the upper 600s again. Um, wow. But in the meantime, my bench got a yeah. lot better. I've benched over 500 twice in competition now, so that's cool. There you go. There's an upside to everything. Yeah. So my when squat did you, still you're, sucks, though. you're all cool. <laughs> well, do it more. <laughs> um, put some lifters on and uh, high back. <sighs> so my current issue now <laughs> is my knee hurts. <laughs> um, and it's been like this for about three years. I was doing box squats at my girlfriend at the time's house and uh, my current fiance. Um, there go. And I was doing box squats with like something over 500 for some reps and standing up out of it. I felt my knee pop and it felt real bad, but I finished the squat and then put it back just cause you know, I had nowhere to put it. <laughs> it's like die yeah. to finish the squat. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's kind of been nagging me every now and then, and I've been to the doctor for it and they've run every test x-ray, whatever they can. And they're like, yeah, we can't see anything. And I'm like, okay. So like if it hurts, it's fine, but really I have to like actually damage it for us to figure out what's actually wrong with it. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, yep. okay. Um, so back to squatting yeah. heavy, but yeah, every now and then, especially if I'm in sleeves, not wraps, um, and I get a, in a yeah. little weird position, it's like. It's like someone stabs me right in the kneecap. <laughs> no, I, I definitely get that. I, I snatched one Oh six or something like that a few weeks ago, just because I, because Matt snatched one Oh five <laughs> and I couldn't let him. Cause I knew he was going to clean and jerk more than me. And so I was like, I got it. I'm not letting you be, beat me on this. You're going to be, I know for a fact, you're going to out clean right. me. I will outsnatch you. And I caught it and my knee just like, it sounded like somebody ripping Velcro apart. Oof. It did not, it didn't hurt. Like it just made some really weird noises that it never made before. And then it slowly started to kind of twinge. And uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been yeah, rough. That sucks, man. The last, last few weeks. As like, I, I what I, I, I pulled on one ten a couple weeks ago and had it, up to my nose <laughs> like there's no reason not to go under it other than i was other like i'm not gonna stand it up so i'm not yeah gonna go yeah your brain's it. like i don't know if we can catch it and survive buddy yeah i could catch yeah. it but it's not going up so i'm not gonna waste the energy so that's uh, how i snatch all the time here pull to my nose don't and let John hear that. you don't drop any lower <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice oh all right dude you got anything to to plug any uh any shows coming up? I know you got your podcast. Yeah, so the uh, podcast is Meathead Chatter. Um, I just started a new off segment today. Uh, it's it is kind of like during rest rest time when you like just bro out and talk to your homies about whatever's going on. So it yeah. covers various topics. Uh, we do a lot of movie talk. We do some video game talk. We do some lifting talk. There you go. And we can't help but dive into political BS every now and then just because we're whiny. It's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're whiny, bitchy, bitchy uh, Gen X, millennial, yeah. zennial, whatever the hell yeah, they I call us. I am, born in the, early I am 80s. the oldest year millennial possible. 
and we have 83 or 82. 82. Nice. And I learned that yeah. and then I'm, I got really I'm, sad. I know it's, I like, I, I was like, there's, man, there's a, a window. They made a new group for us. That's like 82 to 86. Okay. And they okay. made some weird name and I the, can't remember what it was, but I was like, that makes perfect sense. I, because I need that because where our parents were still assholes. Yeah. I, I want like, to make, I want to make fun of millennials, but like I am one. So if I'm not one anymore, that's even better. Hey, you identify <laughs> as a gen X. There you go. Um, it's, it's everything's okay yeah. now but yeah so yeah definitely check out the podcast uh we're like i don't know 30 something episodes in meathead chatter uh it's everywhere you can find nice. a podcast um yep and then i am instagram at strongman underscore dan um if you ever want to see me playing with clubs and logs and kettlebells and all the various things um and then worlds is coming up 150 days out and uh, we'll see Happy. what happens there. Hoping to bench 500 in the in the uh, 275 class this time. So nice. What would that? Where does that put you ranking wise? Oh God, it's I'm not good. I think like so. Openpowerlifting.org <laughs> is kind of where you can really compare because there's there's a million powerlifting federations. So this basically has them all cor- correlated into like one thing, and you can figure out where you're at. Um, but it was. Out of, I actually just checked this today, out of like 29,000 people who compete in powerlifting in the 275 weight class, it would put me in like the, like 900 and something, Um, which, which is like the 95th percentile um, of people who actually compete in lift, which is good. But when you say you're like in the top thousand, it just sounds like you suck. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, it's who shows up to worlds and who competes and who... I did a crossover, so I'm I'm competing in the open class, like the senior class for weightlifting, um, and I'm also competing in the master's class too. So I I know I will at least podium in the master's class, Um, but honestly, I got a decent shot at podiuming in this. So it's it's really more like amateur worlds than anything. The guys who are really good go to the the meets where they pay out forty grand, and uh, worlds isn't one of them. That's it's it's basically amateur (laughs) worlds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, dude. Well, it was, uh, it was fun talking to you, seeing your beautiful ginger face again. Thank you. Yours as well. I'm liking the giant beard. I'm gonna have to step my game up, dude. It's 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 a uh, it's a work in progress. <laughs> I don't even. I lost track. I'm gonna. I gotta shave it. I'm gonna shave it off for Halloween though, because Delaney wants me to be Doctor Robotnik. Ooh, okay. From, from Sonic. <laughs> so you got kids. It makes sense. It'll be interesting. Yeah. My must my mustache is gonna be like nice. It's already like to here. It's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna try to really get it out there. <laughs> I don't know. My, Sarah's gonna like. I'm gonna wake up with her a pair of clippers or scissors or something the night of. So. Beautiful. Well, hey, 2023. I'm pretty sure nationals for one of the federations I like is gonna be in Portland. It was supposed to be there last year until. All the yeah. all the stuff, and then they moved it to St. Louis, all which I'm not stuff. sure was a ton better. But but hey, okay. if that's there next year, I'll I'll see you in Portland. Hell yeah, dude! Yeah, I just uh, I just talked to John today about the the uh, camp he's doing over there in Indiana. Dude, so that one yeah, is I'm... one hour from my house. That's actually the city where I lived for like ten years and where my kids live. Uh, with their mom. Oh shit! So like, I'm yeah. I'm after we're done with this podcast. I'm signing up right now. Oh damn! Nice. Um, I don't even. I don't even so wait. What's much. the? <laughs> Do you need I, to I snatch? That? Yeah, exactly. Snatch and then go over and set a bench up and yeah, I'll squat just rack snatch and, and strict uh, press. That's what up. I'll do. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, what's the What's the airport to fly into? Uh, uh, it'd be the Indianapolis, Indianapolis airport. Or... Ah, fuck. It's expensive. Yeah. Tell me about it, dude. My honeymoon's in like two weeks and we bought tickets about a month ago and it, it was stupid expensive to fly to St. Lucia's where we're going. And I looked at tickets today and it's like twice as much as it was when we booked ours. Dude, it's it's unreal. We're going to Cabo and it's like my dad's buying the buying all the tickets, so we're all in the same plane and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, we need to buy tickets now. Yeah, it I already like cheaper money. I'm like, can we can we please? Because I'm going to end up owing you more money, and right. I won't do that. You're like, I will just buy my own tickets. <laughs> exactly. 
Like, I don't care if we're at land at the same time. It doesn't right. matter to me that much. We'll get our own shuttle. <laughs> All right, dude. Right on, brother. Dan Mason, it was awesome talking to you again. We'll uh, we'll talk Absolutely. again soon. Absolutely.